0: Healthcare leaders really need to be thinking about how to improve patients' health holistically. Uh, If you think about it, it needs to be across all settings, all providers, right? Ambulatory, acute, post-acute. And then really the goal is then how to keep those patients inside of the network to take better care of them. Um, So I think organizations really need to focus on how how do they create loyalty and that one stop shop concept for patients.
1: Thanks for listening to Value Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. My name is Daniel Marino. In each episode, we dive into disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our expertise, our knowledge, having worked with some of the industry's top experts and thought leaders around the country. Before we get into today's episode, We'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about this episode and others, and what you'd like to hear going forward. In today's episode, we are excited to share with you our perspective on the top five trends impacting value-based care in 2020. Joining us today is our partner within Lumina Health Partners, Lucy Zielinski. Lucy leads the medical group management activities for the firm and is a national expert in revenue cycle, enhancement in coding, and medical group management. Lucy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Lucy, if maybe we could start out by just getting your take on what you see are, are some of the top five trends. I know you've spent quite a bit of time you know, over the last number of months talking with um, a lot of hospital leaders, a lot of medical group leaders, a lot of physicians for that matter. What are you hearing as kind of the top five trends that are really Im- impacting uh, these medical groups and their overall performance in 2020? Sure, Dan. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: The, the shift to value-based care continues. And many organizations are just struggling with uh, moving in that direction because they're still living in the fee-for-service world. So as, as the adage goes, right, they have that foot in both canoes. Uh, So with that shift, uh, many organizations are challenged with with managing their costs. So not only with the expenses inside of their own organization, but as well as the cost or the medical spend uh, of patients, of of the healthcare. I think another thing that they're focusing on is providing access to services, especially in the ambulatory care environment. Um, You know, historically, you've had to wait uh, maybe two months to get into a, a special to see a specialist, um, especially in an academic medical center. And so now it's, it's critical that, um, that uh, providing access is, is, is a lot faster than it was historically. I think another thing um, many organizations are struggling with are um, the mergers that are occurring. And there's this lack of standardization or this fragmentation that exists in these organizations. Uh, If you think about it, if you acquire 10 different medical groups, there's probably 10 different ways of doing something. Uh, So there's that challenge. And I think lastly, uh, one of the challenges is around innovation and some of the new technology, including uh, artificial intelligence. Many organizations have invested millions of dollars in technology and, and electronic medical records And, um, you know, now they're challenged with having to spend more dollars and they're they're scratching their heads wondering, what do we want to invest in? What is useful to us? What's really going to make a difference? So those are some of the challenges that I see and hear that organizations are having.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting as you start to, when you're talking to a lot of the financial leaders, many of them continue to struggle with Really the question of how fast do they need to move into value-based care. So a lot of them still have these very strong fee-for-service contracts. Um, many of them, many of these hospitals and health systems have continued to employ medical groups and have really seen the loss of the medical groups really increase. So financial enhancement or margin enhancement I think is, is certainly a big theme and you touched on it. Certainly the ability to be able to manage costs but also maximizing the revenue and and really the revenue that they have, I think is really key. Are you hearing anything around aspects of revenue cycle improvement, um, you know, opportunities to, to improve some of the, let's say, reduce some of the denials, anything that you're hearing right now in the market related to those areas?
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Dan, that you bring that up because my background is definitely revenue cycle. As a matter of fact, I just, taught a uh, a two-day seminar um, around revenue cycle uh, and had revenue cycle leaders um, attend. And they are definitely challenged with an underperforming revenue cycle. And I think that underperforming can be attributed to some of these new payment models, um, as well as some of the mergers that I mentioned earlier. That leads to a lot of fragmentation and, and and everybody doing things differently in the offices, right? At that front end revenue cycle. And the back end is also a challenge. And so um, I think that the goal today is really how do you use that technology, including that artificial intelligence and the bots to improve the revenue cycle, to lead to those cleaner claims and getting paid appropriately. I think another point too around the revenue cycle is these new payment models require um, different ways of doing things. You know, historically in a fee for service world, you know, as a certified coder, I can tell you what was important is to make sure that we had the right procedure code. And if the diagnosis matched good enough, it was paid. And today in a value based world, um, having appropriate diagnoses is even more important because that indicates the, the risk of the patient. Uh, as well as supports the HCCs and so the providers as well as the coders and the revenue cycle piece they really need to focus on appropriate not only procedure coding but appropriate diagnosis coding which in, in essence then supports the value-based functions as well.
1: Yeah you know I, I think you hit on a really key point margin enhancement at the end of the day really really comes down to people process and technology right so the more that the process is integrated with the technology and the staff understands what they need to do as well as the physicians for that matter to really you know maximize their performance maximize the way that they're taking care of patients that's where you see a lot of the the you know the true financial opportunities And really the true enhancement take place coding is the perfect example if you're able to really train the physicians appropriately on the right level of coding have the process in place to really support the coding um, using the technology appropriately to ensure that you are selecting the right codes that of course is tied into the level of value-based contracting um it not only helps your financial performance, but it also positions you extremely well in these contracts. And obviously, as these organizations take on more and more risk, that level of coding is going to be critical.
0: Absolutely, Dan. And and just to add to that, uh, the coding really guides, if you're doing any sort of care management um, around patients or trying to coordinate their care, if you're not coding appropriately, um, you may miss the mark. You may not track that diabetic or that the complicated diabetic or the the patient that has COPD because that wasn't mentioned um, on the you know on the claim or in the note. And so, in order to um, to do great care management and and to create those activities around managing the patient's care to improve that quality to decrease that that spend. Um, that appropriate coding is is very critical.
1: You know, one of the things that you mentioned before is around the lack of integration by these physicians um, into the medical group, right, into the medical group structure. Talk a little bit more about that. What are you seeing in terms of the challenges that the health systems are having, um, you know, to integrate? Or maybe they're just not integrating at all. Are, are there certain things that you're seeing or that, you know, you're witnessing from, from a lot of your, your clients? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I see that all over the board. Um, the best practice is when organizations are acquiring groups or merging, uh, it's important to have a very streamlined onboarding process. An onboarding process that clearly identifies the standard of operations, the standard of care, um, and, and really how we do things in, in that organization, one, one way. Um, because when that is not in place, what happens is like what I mentioned earlier. You have 10 groups doing 10 different things, 10 different ways. And so that really doesn't help the organization, especially if they're in a value-based contract and they're trying to um, manage the care of patients in a certain way to to move the bar on cost and quality. Uh, It's pretty dysfunctional and fragmented. Um, And setting that expectation early on so physicians understand is, is critical because if you don't set that expectation early on, it is so much more challenging and difficult to do it later on to fix the problem um and to change the way that that providers do things so that onboarding process and clear um a clear process is critical
1: yeah as you're talking it reminds me of a conversation i had last summer with the cfo of this of this health system this particular health system went out and um Ended up employing quite a few physicians uh, within their community. I think they went from maybe 120 very quickly up to, to 200, 250, and they acquired as well as employing the physicians, they acquired a lot of the medical groups. Um, and to your point, they you know they have a, a pretty large geographic reach. But what they found was each of these individual medical groups and certainly even the physicians within these medical groups or these practices did things very differently. And they had such a challenge of even managing patients across their network because each of them had their own separate process. Um, There was a lack of, of governance. And it really led me to believe that as organizations really start to improve their financial performance, not only is that process and integration critical, but just aligning the culture, creating the right level of physician leadership to really guide the overall performance and that integration, I think is an important factor for success.
0: Yes, uh, I, wouldn't agree, I would agree wholeheartedly. And, and engaging those physicians in leadership is key. Because if you think about it, value-based care, there's a big clinical part in that. And having physicians involved in creating those diet structures, I've seen those structures work very well where a physician partners with an an executive or administrator um, on a committee or over a department, um, it it is key because physicians understand physicians and having them engaged in these uh, standardizations um, and one way of of operating in the organization um, I think it serves an organization well. And it creates, like you mentioned earlier, it creates that, that culture um, of working together.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that you've mentioned earlier um, is around access. I'd like to talk a little bit about access for a second. One of the goals that health systems have had is to obviously um, bring in a lot more primary care physicians in support of value-based contracts and really uh, supporting the needs of the, of the community. Um, and these different access models, I think have really been important. Do you see that as a, an important factor in improving margin enhancement? Or has this been really a challenge, in managing the access, if you will, from different competitors? Has it been a big challenge for these health systems?
0: Yeah, I think it is definitely a, a challenge for health systems if, if they don't have um, access points that are easily accessible by patients. So the, the retail clinics and, and the online or the virtual care, those, those are easy access points for many patients, especially um, some of the younger ones. I mean, they want to see a physician immediately almost. Um, And so organizations have to be thinking about how do they compete with that. Uh, So expanding the access points, not only with primary care and specialty services, but also with urgent care services. Uh, So like I mentioned, having um, same day appointments available, having online appointments available, doing virtual care, having accessibility to provider or nurse care manager or someone to ask a question. Those are all things that organizations should be thinking about. Because like I mentioned earlier, um, patients don't wanna wait a month or two to see a physician, especially if they think um, that, you know, their headaches could be a brain tumor because they're looking on the internet and, and thinking, oh my goodness, I have to see somebody today. And so they will not wait the two months, they will find somebody who will see them today. Uh, so managing the, the the access and availability to appointments and uh, having same day or really understanding what, what the next available appointment is. What's that third available appointment for not only primary care, but specialty care as well uh, is important for organizations to be thinking about.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it really does come down to a, a significant culture shift for these medical groups beyond the the traditional model of access, right? And you touched on it, not just having the nine to five clinic where you would expect patients to call and make an appointment, but really creating access that is patient centric, that is really focused on the needs of the patient. Um, You know, and in this day and age, everybody is extremely busy. Everybody is focused on technology and on their phone. And I think if organizations can start to build access models, that allows them to fit into the busy schedules of their patients, so to speak, um, that's where I really think then the, the opportunities exist for these large medical groups.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Dan, think about if, if, if you know, I'm seeing a, a my primary care physicians because, because I have a cold this week. And I, I walk into the primary care physician, and, and they look at my record, and they realize that they're There's a gap, right? I didn't have my annual mammogram this year. And if they bring it up to me while I'm there in the office and say something like, oh, by the way, right down the street or right down the the hallway, you can get your mammogram today. It'll only take, you know, 15 minutes, half hour. Uh, Do you have time for that? I would do it. I would do it. But they have to be looking at the data and some of the analytics um, to see what the gaps in care are, and then communicating those to me, so there's a lot of opportunities that exist that I think many organizations can be uh, taken in, taken uh, advantage of that
1: yeah, and you know you touch on the data, and I think as as organizations are thinking about how they need to enhance a lot of their their financial performance. Um, I still am hearing that many organizations are really struggling with the right level of information, and particularly for the medical groups. Um, how do you give information to physicians in such a way that has, allows them to understand how you know, they need to modify their practice, their care models, uh, perform better to, you know, with, their, with their patients, um, really moving past this retrospective review of data to more of, a, more of a prospective review of data, right? So you're actually using information and using data as a tool to enhance patients and, and patient care. Are you, are you hearing that as well as, as still an issue with a lot of these medical group leaders? Uh,
0: yes, definitely. It's a challenge um, to get the right level of data and then really push it out to that physician group. Uh, especially in l- some of the larger systems, uh, the clinically integrated networks or the ACOs, uh, I'm still seeing that they have disparate systems, multiple EHR, and it's really hard to aggregate um, some of that data. Uh, you know, ha- aggregating claims data is one thing, but then aggregating the clinical data is another one, and it's 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 a challenge. And so pushing that data to that le- to the provider level is often difficult because the, the, the providers are probably asking like, what's really going on with the patient? So uh, where was the patient last seen? What's the patient's condition? Um, who did they see? Uh, what's the follow-up treatment? What are the gaps in care? So those are some of the questions that providers are asking, especially in a value-based care environment. So one of the things um, that's important for these organizations is to understand what their value-based contracts um, Um, want you to measure, right? What are some of the quality measures? What are the cost levers? And then putting together programs using that technology, like you talked about, what's the technology? Using that technology and the people, and then creating a process to push that information down to that level of the physician, the EHR level. So it's easily accessible, available, um, and the physician is is prompted.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think if you're able to get that right level of data and information to physicians, one, it's gonna make them think about how they need to deliver care differently, but using that information as a tool to really enhance the type of care that's being offered or delivered to their patients. I also think too, it helps support the governance structure and leadership of the medical groups. Um, Because what you start to think about is using data to drive change and using data to drive, um, you know, the goals and the objectives of moving into value-based care and, and almost setting those goals and objectives um, really from a, a medical group perspective as opposed to from an individual physician perspective. It, you know, that level of data, I think, is critically important. Well, listen, Lucy, I think this was great conversation today. Really appreciate it you know, as kind of summarized as medical groups are, are thinking about improving their financial performance. There was a couple of key points that you really hit, which I think were really important, certainly around margin enhancement, protecting the revenue and enhancing the revenue that you have today on these contracts through strong revenue cycle is key, but also making sure you're managing the costs appropriately. I think your point around Coding and particularly the HCC code capture is, is really important, not only for revenue enhancement, but positions these organizations for you know, risk and, and success within these value-based, these value-based contracts. Integration of the medical groups, um, I think is still a challenge. And in 2020, I think as organizations start to really improve their financial performance, appropriately integrating these medical groups around aligned people, process, and technology is gonna be a key to success. And it's gonna help drive access models, it's gonna help drive um, efficiencies in the practice, and it's gonna help drive a lot of stronger information that can be provided to medical groups more proactively as opposed to just retrospectively or you know, as, as opposed to just these, these one-off data points. And then lastly, you can't forget the culture and leadership. I think you had touched on that as well, too, that having the culture integration is really going to be a key to success, um, as well as having the strong leadership. I think that you you have to have strong leaders who are really going to be able to direct these medical groups into the future. We want to thank everybody for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, podcast by Lumina Health Partners. Lumina is your partner on the journey to value-based care. If you found value in today's conversation, please subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms and leave us feedback. You can also find this topic on our insights page on luminahp.com. Join us again next time when we are inviting one of our client colleagues to talk about how we could identify challenges and opportunities around the financial performance of medical groups. We'll be joined by a strong physician leader, who's had a lot of experience improving the financial performance of medical groups.